Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another Espresso Shots episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into communications and thought leadership in the professional services industries, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is the group head of reputation and communications for McKinsey Greater China. McKinsey, of course, is one of the world's leading global management consulting firms. But before I introduce you to Glenn Leibowitz, a four-time recipient of the LinkedIn Top Voice Award, not to mention many other accolades, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's newsletter that features career advice and job-seeking tips, as well as unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my content-creating cold brew lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Glenn Leibowitz, the head of reputation and communications for McKinsey Greater China. He's also the host of the uber-popular Write with Impact podcast, as well as the founder of the brand new Write with Impact Academy. Glenn has worked in content marketing innovation at McKinsey in Asia for almost 25 years, and he leads a multicultural marketing and publishing team that oversees McKinsey's six Greater China locations in Taipei, Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, and Chengdu. Glenn's side hustle since early 2014 has been posting weekly writing tips, blogs, and a newsletter on LinkedIn. And in recognition of the value of what he's produced over the years, he was named a LinkedIn top voice four years in a row from 2015 through 2018. Glenn also posts regularly on Medium. And on his personal website, glennlebowitz.com, we are going to have links to everything in show notes. In 2015, Glenn launched his podcast, Write with Impact, where he interviews successful writers and shares tips for productivity and content creation with his listeners. And I had the privilege of being a guest on his podcast in June 2021, and I highly, highly recommend you check it out and subscribe. Glenn, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Absolutely, Andrea. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show. I am 
definitely caffeinated on my sugar-free green tea. Ooh, you're running with scissors, aren't you? (laughs) I was actually thinking because one of the things we're going to get into later in our main time for coffee interview, and please check out show notes to see if Glenn's main tea for C episode has already dropped, is the fact that Glenn is a polyglot. He speaks several languages fluently, one of which is a language that he and I share in common, and that is Mandarin. And I have so much respect and admiration for Glenn's language abilities, because unlike me, he is absolutely fluent in Mandarin, in both written, spoken, and reading. And my friend's that is a huge accomplishment. So how do you even say, I can't, I, I can't remember. How would I say caffeine? What, what would I say? Oh, caffeine. Okay. Yeah, caffeine, caffeine is caffeine. Coffee is cafe. Yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. one I know. But so, mm-hmm. oh no. caffeine. <laughs> okay. Okay, he's saying just about, which is actually the sweet spot of where we all want to be. It is 1020 in the evening in Taipei right now in Asia. And so the fact that Glenn has hit the sweet spot in caffeine is, you know, probably more than running with scissors. It's probably going to affect the rest of his night's sleep. But let us dive into Tennespresso Shots, Glenn, which we are framing around the professional services industries. And what is included in that? Right. It's, it's actually a very broad swath of industries or sub-industries. I work in management consulting. However, professional services covers accounting, law, it could include even the medical profession. And if you really want to broaden it, you could say the kind of work that I do is similar to what some people may do in private equity or venture capital. That's running into finance, but in a way, it's a professional services industry as far as I can tell. And that is because all of those industries need to be producing what we call or what is called out there thought leadership, really their expertise, their subject matter expertise presented to their key audiences. And what Glenn does, one of many things he does so well is write. We say write with impact. He knows how to distill complex ideas, complex thoughts, and put them into a format that is going to resonate with these audiences, storytelling that's going to make them want to read that article versus the tons of other articles that are out there, right? That's right. I think you summarized exactly what I've been doing for the past 24 years better than anyone else I've, I've ever spoken to. I don't think I, I've even put it more succinctly than you just have. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much. So we're going to get into how you, my friends, can break into communications, writing thought leadership in pretty much any services-related industry. And the first espresso shot, Glenn, is what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into this type of work? Sure. I think, you know, there are many. 
And I'm not going to list all of them, but I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm hiring for one right now, which is to just to give you an example, a very concrete example. I'm looking for an assistant editor in English. So I need someone who's really good at writing English. They could have been an English literature major, someone who writes very, very well. And I need someone like that literally right now. And I think a lot of firms like mine and a lot of other professional services firms have an enormous need for writers and editors. So if you're an English major or comparative literature major or history major or journalism major, or just someone who knows how to, how to write and edit, I think there are definitely a lot of opportunities out there. Now, if for some reason writing is not your thing, but you love social media, holy cow, there are a lot of opportunities out there, both at my firm, but also other, other professional services firms for social media assistants. Let's say that's where you may start off with communication, social media coordinators. And that's a whole other field that is related to what I do. I think there's, there's definitely entry-level opportunities, right? Those two areas alone, writing and editing, social media, content creation, scheduling, analysis. Those are just two of the several areas that you, you could consider. Beautiful. What about a useful hard and soft skill or hard and soft skills that you look for, Glenn, in the young people that you've hired over the years? Right. So definitely writing. So the hard, there's, there's a hard skill and a soft, soft skill that I, I look for. There are several, of course, but I would say the number one hard skill, writing well is absolutely fundamental to any communication role. And I would argue most roles in most fields, in most industries, but particularly in communications, uh, I think for obvious reasons. But the reality is I found that many students don't really learn the skill well enough Maybe they don't realize it's, it's very important, or maybe their college doesn't provide enough courses in it, explicit courses in it. I don't recall honestly taking any explicit writing courses in college or in graduate school. I wrote a lot for my classes, which was very helpful, but I could have benefited, definitely benefited from one, two, three, or four writing courses. So that's the hard skill. But then there's, of course, a whole load of soft skills that are essential, and one would definitely be working together you know, productively and happily with people of very different personalities, backgrounds, roles in the organization, you know, working others, communicating effectively with empathy while pursuing your own goals and ideas is not easy. And it's going to feel like a daily struggle, but it's something you've got to learn. And I strongly suggest becoming more aware of this early on during your college or graduate school days is learning how to work well together with others. I was expecting you to add in there the ability to work well with others in a multicultural setting because whether you are working in the U.S. or whether you're working internationally as you are, oftentimes you're working with people who have different backgrounds, different family origin stories than you do that you're going to need to be sensitive to. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry, I totally left that important point out. But maybe it's because this is something I, I take for granted now. And I've been living and working for so many decades. But the reality is, let's say you're going to school, you know, somewhere in the United States, I think in most colleges these days, you'll see, you know, there's a certain percentage of international students. So take advantage, reach out to other communities, 
to students, you know, maybe join a club or two and and learn those while you're on campus. Because when you hit the corporate world or the startup world, you're going to be dealing with people from all over the world, whether it's in person, in the office, but actually much more so it's going to be through remote working, through Zoom, through Slack, whatever app of, you know, of your choice. But the reality is you have to learn to be empathetic and understanding of people from, honestly, radically different cultures from you, radically different backgrounds from you, radically different mindsets from you, different socioeconomic backgrounds from you. You're going to have to learn that. And, you know, you don't, it doesn't even have to be a large multinational corporation. You could be a small firm in, in Utah, for example, and still have, you know, some interaction with the global community. I mean, right now, almost everything is global, obviously, to, to varying degrees. My firm in particular, you know, we have offices around the world. We have, you know, people from, you know, 120, 30 different nationalities. But you could also work for a very, very small firm and still need the same skills. I love that advice about taking advantage of being on campus to interact and engage with students from other countries. In fact, that has been one of the takeaways that I've heard from so many professionals. When I ask them, is there any advice? If you could go back and do it all over again, which is what I ask in the meantime for coffee interview and be back in college, what advice would you give yourself? And they say to interact with people who were unlike me to build those relationships. And by the way, that will pay off in so many different ways, not just in beautiful new friendships, but in professional networking. So gosh, we could go deep in that direction, Glenn, but let's move on to to the next espresso shot. Is someone's major a deciding factor to get into the professional services industry in the communications sector? No. <laughs> exactly. No, enough said. He's already touched on that. What about a grad school degree? You alluded to the fact that you got your MBA, you got it at Wharton, you studied management and finance and whatnot. But is it necessary to have whether it's an MBA or another advanced degree, and you also have a master's in East Asian studies, if somebody wants to get into thought leadership and communications. Right. So let me, let me elaborate a bit on my previous answer, which I just said simply no. I would say there aren't a lot of hard requirements in terms of undergraduate degree or graduate degree for a role in communications. However, that said, I would say that my undergraduate degree in Asian studies, where I focused on China and Japan, I learned Chinese and Japanese, history, literature, political science has been incredibly helpful to my career because I spent my entire career out here in greater China on the ground, living, working here, raising my family here. So my undergraduate degree, even though I did not study communications, I did not study public relations. I don't think they even had a course at Cornell in that topic. Nonetheless, what I would say is that the undergraduate degree can be very, very useful. Remember I said earlier about if you're an English literature major or someone who's done a lot of writing, that could be tremendously helpful to a communications role. So that's undergraduate degree. But to answer your question around graduate degree, I would say in general, they're not really required, but they can be very helpful. So I have two graduate degrees. One is, is a master's degree in Asian studies, 
and an MBA in finance. And the MBA in finance has been absolutely essential for me to understand what we do as a firm. We advise large companies and some smaller companies and help them improve their performance. And I learned all about business through that MBA, through my business school education. So I would recommend that if that's something that if you do want to work in professional services, you know, learn something about business, whether as an undergraduate or in a graduate degree. It's not 100% required. It's not a hard requirement but it can definitely be helpful. And frankly, getting out into the working world after you graduate, if you want to pursue a communications role in professional services, try it out. See if you like it. You may try different industries within professional services within or different types of companies within professional services. And then you can say, huh, well, I'm more interested in healthcare. So maybe you get a master's in public health, or or maybe you decide you are more interested in the financial side. So go into the working world first, try it before you get that advanced degree. Would you agree, Glenn? Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what I did. So after graduating, I worked for about four years. And three of those years, I worked at a multinational advertising agency uh, based out of New York, but I worked in Taipei. And I never studied advertising. I didn't know anything about advertising except for the fact that I watched way too many of them growing up. You know, as a kid, I was bombarded by ads. That's all I knew about it. But it was a very good experience. And I used that as my platform, you know, when I applied to business school because that was the closest thing I had, closest experience I had to business was advertising. Advertising is an, is an essential function for most businesses. And that's how I learned a little bit about business. But I realized I wanted to deepen my understanding of business and also just I wanted to pivot my career. I wanted to change into an entirely different career out of advertising. And the MBA was very helpful in that regard. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. What about life experiences? So these are the experiences we have outside the classroom. And I love how on LinkedIn, Glenn, and you're the only person that I have seen who has really taken advantage of the space under your education to elaborate on what you did, what you experienced, some of what you experienced as an undergrad in graduate school, one of the things you talked about at Cornell was the fishing that you did and drinking apple cider and, and all that. And it gives you a window into that person's personality. But what kind of life experiences do you think are most useful for someone who wants to get into communications and professional services? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've I could talk about this for a long time. I've written several times about this on LinkedIn and, and in other places. I've been oversharing since 2014 <laughs> on LinkedIn, but it's a cathartic experience when I get to write about some of my experiences. It helps me remember things that I forgot about a long time ago. But anyway, let me get to your question. I would say there are a lot of life experiences. You should definitely go for, learn as much as you can while you're in college or outside of college. But one thing would definitely be take yourself out of your comfort zone as much as possible. Learn to fail, but also learn from your failures. Be embarrassed, do embarrassing things, but then of course, learn from your embarrassments, learn from your screw-ups and move on and move forward. So I would say, you know, failure definitely is a life experience you can't avoid. And you shouldn't think that it's not going to happen to you at one point or another. It can be hugely valuable. It's very, very painful when it happens. 
but you can learn a lot through your failures and your embarrassments. And I can get very specific if you, if you want to hear about well, some I would my, actually my examples, but, but I think do, in general, fail, failure is definitely helpful. I was going to say, we, some of us on LinkedIn do talk quite a bit about the value of failure. But for students who see an F as being the end of the world, we are not talking about grades. Can you give us an example of how experiencing a failure, and it could be an F in your coursework, but how experiencing a real life failure can actually be an advantage? Right. Would you like an example for, from college or grad school or from work? Anything. Right. I would say there's there are a lot of examples of failure at work. One would be a performance review or evaluation that came as a total surprise and a total shock. I had been accustomed to doing very, very well, scoring very highly, getting mostly praise uh, year after year. And then all of a sudden, one year, many years ago, I got this evaluation that said, you know, I wasn't doing, I wasn't meeting uh, expectations in certain areas. And I was, I was totally floored. I was shocked. I didn't expect that. It felt very, very painful at the time. And I reached out to mentors and coaches and sponsors that I, I had known and cultivated and friends over the years. And I learned a couple of things from that. One was that failure will happen. So you're going to have to deal with it. Okay. Number two is try to cultivate friends, mentors, coaches, or sponsors the best you can. So invest in those relationships so that when you need to turn to them and have not only a shoulder to cry on, and believe me, I was just crying on some shoulders, <laughs> but to get the kind of advice and, and support that you need at the right moment. And you don't go to them whenever, you know, just out of the cold or out of the blue. I went to people that I had known for years and I had worked with and, and, help, and helped in some way or another. I'd contributed to their careers for a long time and they supported me at the most critical moment. And then finally, just have a plan to do better and learn new things and try something different. You know, try to learn, you know, read up, listen to podcasts like yours, watch videos, learn new things, learn new skills that will help you sort of rejuvenate, renew your own skill set, your mindset, and then just move forward. Have a very positive, constructive, forward-looking attitude because, you know, when you do hit that wall, when you do fall down and you scrape your knees and crying and you don't know where to turn to, first of all, you'll have someone to turn to and get, you need advice at that moment. Secondly, you'll brush yourself off and you'll stand up again and, and move ahead. And that, that's what happened to me. And do you feel that having gone through that not so great performance review made you an even better professional as a result? Oh, absolutely. That's the short answer. I mean, I think the, the longer answer is it obviously forced me to reflect on, you know, what was I doing? Why was I not being perceived, you know, for the work that I was doing? And I think there's one more lesson that I almost forgot to share with you. And I think this is very, very important. What I learned was that I was not communicating enough around my contributions and my impact. So another lesson, I don't know if this is lesson number three or four from this experience, I learned a lot was over communicate. Obviously, you know, within reason you have to, but I think the tendency honestly is to be kind of shy and under communicate and play down your accomplishments. No, 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 no. 
You need to figure out a way in a professional way, in a balanced way to demonstrate the work that you do, the contributions you make, the impact you have. If you can quantify it, all the better. And if you can't quantify it, just write it out and make sure that people know about it and not once a year or once every six months. You should do it regularly and over-communicate. That's one thing. The other thing is get feedback. So ask for feedback. If managers, people you work with are not giving you feedback proactively, it's not necessarily that they don't care about you or your development, but you have to own your own professional development. You have to be proactive about reaching out and asking questions, asking for feedback. And it's tough. It feels very awkward. You have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and ask for the kind of feedback that you'll need to develop and improve. I've just gotten several new LinkedIn posts out of that. Thank you, ideas for that, Glenn. No, that is such fabulous advice because it it actually falls under the umbrella of what has sort of a negative implication, and that is office politics. But you need to be your own champion and be in the driver's seat of your professional development. So I absolutely love those suggestions. Glenn, what is the best part for you of being in this job function in this industry, which you've been in now for almost 25 years? I love a lot of the things about my job and the firm that I work for. One of them definitely is the people that I work with. But I would say one of the best things I enjoy is getting to play a valuable and critical role in many instances in helping my colleagues shape their complex ideas into clear, readable, shareable stories. And that's pretty amazing. It's something I swear I never thought I would end up doing. There's no one that sat me down in college or even graduate school and said, hey, Glenn, this is what you're going to go into and you're going to do great at it. And even more amazing is that it has a direct impact on our brand, on the professional brand of the individuals that I work with and on their careers. And I've had numerous senior colleagues over the years come to me that many of them have been very kind and thanked me personally for my contributions to their career. And this is as they were leaving (laughs) and moving on to bigger and better things. And we're very proud of our alumni, very proud of the people that leave us eventually and go on to very exciting careers. And one of the most gratifying things about my career is that whenever I get that, and it's always a private thank you, usually in person, sometimes it's in writing, but very often it's like, Glenn, thank you. When I hear that, I I cry, honestly. Oh, that is just beautiful. What about the flip side, Glenn? Because every job has aspects that we don't love but you got to do it. That's just the reality. So what is the part of your current job as the head of reputation and communications at McKinsey China, Greater China, that sucks the most? The lack of understanding of what I and my team do and the value that we bring to the table. Now, many colleagues get it. Many colleagues get it, but the reality is some don't. You know, and I sometimes joke with my team, and please take this in the right way. We are McKinsey. We are not McDonald's. Even though both of our names start with an M and a C. And by the way, just for the record, I ate at McDonald's this morning. So I love McDonald's. Okay. Oh, gosh. We're going to have to talk about that, Glenn. I'm going to have yeah. to show you why you should stop. <laughs> okay. But anyway, my point is that we don't just deliver a PR strategy plus awesome execution 
that delivers tremendous impact, you know, within a couple of minutes. You know, we don't just serve things up that quickly and easily. It takes a lot of time and thought and effort and skill. That's why I make that comparison. And again, it's nothing in particular against a certain brand that I just mentioned. But You're not we, 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 widgets. <laughs> it's exactly. not about, you know, yeah. putting out the same burger, the same milkshake, right. the same right. fries. You are really crafting something that is unique and tailored to whatever the subject matter is that you're writing about. Exactly. No, that's right. And, you know, it's a process of educating the ones who don't understand what we do or how we work and how we have impact. And that's fine. So I've become a teacher. But once we turn them around and make them sort of see the light, it's very rewarding. So I'm okay with that. You know, I actually find it as for some reason, I like the challenge of working with someone who doesn't know, understand my role, doesn't know exactly what I do. Or my team. And then we work with them and help them. And then, then they see, and then they come back again for, for more help. So I, I think that's perfectly fine, but it can be tough sometimes when, you know, they're in the minority. Most people get what we do, but once in a while we'll find someone who just doesn't really understand or to be totally honest, appreciate what we do. Gotcha. All right. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Glenn? That's a great question. And I think I wrote about this recently, actually. I once had a very senior leader who was supporting me during a difficult time. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, Glenn, the market for truth always clears. And it's a very odd statement. And he, he, he was an economist by training. So it sounds like something that an economist would say. What he meant was that the truth always bears out where the truth always wins eventually. Even if you have to go through a rough patch and suffer sometimes through lies that may be spread about you or something that you've done, his, his message to me was just trust in the truth. If I were to rephrase it in more, in simpler, more human ter- terms, it would be trust in the truth. In other words, because, you know, the truth will always win out. And that's something I've never forgotten. And that is that has always been helpful to me. And I remember, and I turned to that advice over the years, whenever things get kind of tough and I realize, you know, people don't understand me or what I'm doing, or you know, there's some lies going around. Something's happened. Something bad has happened. Eventually the truth actually does win out. And sometimes it takes a while for, for it to be revealed, but it is probably the best advice I've ever received. And maybe it sounds a little bit too deeply philosophical, but I found it to be very practical actually. Thank you so much for sharing. So here we go into the fun question, Glenn. (laughs) What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Apple, streaming shows, or books for that matter, do you think accurately depict this line of work? Okay, this is is probably going to reveal my personality a bit, but I, I have to admit, I don't watch movies or TV series at all on any of those, those platforms. So I honestly don't know if there's anything out there that depicts my profession, to be totally honest. And I'm very sorry. I simply do not have an answer to that. What I would say, though, is that I'm a reader and I'm a writer and I'm a podcaster. And now I'm doing video interviews on Zoom with awesome people like you, Andrea. So I actually prefer to create content whenever I have any spare time, which is very, very little, by the way. I have very little spare time. But when I do, I would much rather be creating content 
than, than consuming it. I, I love to read. So I do love to consume content. I actually don't like to describe it that way. I just love to read. I learn a lot that way. I get inspired. I get a lot of ideas from reading. But then when I put my Kindle app down, I hit the laptop or, or my phone, my note-taking app, or I you know, turn on my microphone or, or turn on the Zoom, turn on my, my webcam, and I talk to amazing people from around the world, from the comfort of my, my bedroom here in Taipei, Taiwan. And then I take that and I share that with people who follow me and enjoy what I write about. And I get the greatest pleasure from that. Well, I think we can just say, as a fact, you need to join the Write with Impact Academy, my friends, and you need to subscribe to the Write with Impact podcast, because that is where you are going to see, as Glenn says, this content creation profession in action. So thank you so much for that answer, Glenn. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about this communications thought leadership line of work? That's a great question. There's a book I read a long time ago, I think it was called Spin. And I think it was about the life and work of, and I may be mispronouncing his name, Edward Bernays. I believe Edward Bernays, and if I'm getting his name wrong, please correct me. I think he is the inventor or one of the inventors of the public relations PR profession. And it was a fascinating book. And what I learned was a couple of things, but I've, what I learned more through experience working in this role over 24 years is that it's really much more around telling the truth about our firm's story, who we are, the work we do, the great people that we have, the impact we have, rather than trying to tell something else, a fictional account that doesn't reflect the facts. So it's not always an easy job to do. Why? Because there's a lot of noise out there. You know, there's a lot of content out there, as you know. There's also a lack of understanding of what we do exactly. And because we can't talk about our clients, we have to remain confidential about our clients, just like a law firm or a doctor or psychotherapist would not talk at all about their clients. We also have very strict confidentiality policies. So we can't really talk in detail about what we do. But what we can do is talk about what we know. And so the reality is, you know, we are all about telling the truth while maintaining the confidentiality of our clients. And that's something that you'll learn when you join a professional services firm like ours. Again, it could be in accounting or law or even financial services. It's a very unusual mix, but it's not about trying to tell fictional stories about, you know, pumping ourselves up. And it's really more about trying the best that we can to be truthful. Oh, wonderful. Glenn has been the host of the Write With Impact podcast since 2015. He started his podcast three years before mine, but get this, he actually started McKinsey's China podcast in 2011, 10 years ago. You were like on the cusp. I mean, you were leading the charge there. He is also the founder of the Right with Impact Academy. We have links to all of this in our show notes. You want to sign up because when you do, you're going to get tons of free content. And of course, last but not least, 
connect with him on LinkedIn. Glenn actually says that in his about section that he wants to connect with you to make these new relationships and to inspire you to become a better writer. So Glenn, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee, for making time to share a sugar-free iced tea with me this late evening and talk with the Time for Coffee community. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Andrea. It's been a great pleasure. And if I have just one piece of parting advice for the young people out there trying to figure out what they want to do with their careers, all I would have to say is frankly this, have confidence in yourself. Believe in yourself. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.